Well, this morning I'm kind of like a cowboy with guns and no bullets. Because I'm not going to be preaching from a text today. The elders have asked me to kind of do a State of the Union address to start off the new year. And so uh, if you are visiting, this is not the normal thing we do here. But I think this is important that we start off the new year kind of summarizing where we've come from and uh, where we are and maybe where we hope to be going after this. And so uh, if you're a visitor, just know this is not the normal thing we do. But I think you'll find some things uh, just uh, in what. I have to say that will be good. In the book of Revelation, it begins with a vision of the exalted Lord. And then it talks uh, about the seven letters to the churches where the risen Lord addresses the seven churches of Asia Minor at that time. Then there is another vision, and that's followed by a synopsis of all these tribulation events, the second coming of Christ, the great white throne judgment, and then finally the eternal state. And the book of Revelation can be divided up into three parts, what was, what is, and what is to come. As a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 1 verse 9, uh, the apostle John uh, writes the words of Jesus who is instructing him to write something. And this verse is the theme verse, the structure verse for the entire book of Revelation. And uh, this is what the verse says this is in revelation chapter 1 uh, verse 19 therefore write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after these things and so this is kind of what we want to do this morning i want to just stop and look at the things which have been talk about the things which are and the things of course which might take place because I am not a prophet. I am not the son of a prophet and I work for a nonprofit organization. And so I'm going to be giving you some opinions this morning and uh, they aren't worth a whole lot. But uh, I think it's good to at least stop and talk about these things so that you can be informed. A lot of times we just don't have an opportunity to address the whole congregation. And so this is what we want to do this morning. So I want to summarize the past, uh, discuss our present situation, and consider what God might have in the future for Calvary Bible Church. Now, I know that um, many of you have been here much longer than I have. I've only been here three and a half years. And so I am not going to talk about all the things that happened when I wasn't here because I, I wasn't here. And so I am going to mostly just talk about the last three and a half years and what God has been doing in Calvary Bible Church since that time. Well, most of you know, if you've been here for three and a half years, that when I first came here, we kind of started off on a rocky place. Um, many people were not used to expository preaching. They didn't like being confronted by God's word. Uh, they perceived my preaching as unloving and mean-spirited, and so they left. Others felt I was legalistic because I talked about obedience, uh, and I was divisive because I took stands on issues they thought should be left alone. Uh, still others disagreed with my non-seeker-sensitive approach to ministry, so they left, and others were living in sin. And uh, when I started preaching the word, they felt guilty, so they left. And then others left because all those other people left, and so there were people who were leaving. And uh, if you were here during that time, it was scary. It was wondering if I was going to be the only one 
everyone here, uh, you know, whether the elders were going to say, Jack, well, you've decimated the church. You can go now. Um, but that didn't happen. Uh, what is interesting is, uh, people also started coming at that time. Uh, Many of you came at that time. As a matter of fact, people started coming almost as fast as they were leaving. And uh, there was this great transition uh, of what Brad Kelly calls the Jacksonian error. Uh, And, um, and people started coming ironically for the same reason people started leaving. Uh, They started coming because the teaching and because of our ministry philosophy and things of this nature. And there were some good things because uh, at that time, I think it uh, it kind of cleansed the church and unified the church. I think there was a lot of people who didn't realize what other people believed and there wasn't really good unity. And, you know, when it comes to the place where you can't worship at church, you don't respect the leadership, you can't stand the teaching, it, it is time to move on. It's either a time to have a change of attitude or a time to move on. And many people did that. And uh, it was painful, I know, for many of you, because most of you had uh, who were here at that time, you had relationships with all these people. Of course, I didn't, so it wasn't as painful for me. I mean, I got a lot of hate mail, but that's kind of common for me. And so it was just, you know... It was uh, it was an interesting time, but God worked it out for the good. And I think in the end, we were more unified and I think it purified the church. Another thing that happened during that time um, is all these people came and you have been plugging into ministry. You have been growing. Uh, also, at that time, many people were saved. Uh, the elders told me they had never seen so many people come to Christ uh, during those first months. And if you remember, we had baptism services that went on for a long time. There were several times when we had so many members, we couldn't fit them up here on the stage, uh, people committing to membership here. And so God was doing great things, even in the midst of uh, uh, the the problems and people leaving and uh, the complaining and things like that that were going on. Well, after that went away, after about oh, six months or a year, uh, most of that was over. We started to really see some great things happen. Uh, we started to see the the staff, the, the the whole support staff and pastors be very committed and unified in in our ministry philosophy and what we wanted to do as a church and where we were going. Uh, we have staff members who who like each other and uh, we aren't having any conflicts. There is no, um, at least to my knowledge, uh, no one's mad at anybody. Um, we all are unified. We are all working together as a team, and this all happened. Um, gradually during that first year, we offered classes to help equip uh, just all of you. We offered uh, marriage classes, how to study the Bible classes, counseling classes, parenting classes, doctrine classes, evangelism classes. And many of you intend, uh, attended these classes and you have benefited from it. Um, we established kind of a Sunday night service, not a traditional one where you come in and I preach to you. But we established a, a, our little get-together in the MSA, a giant Bible study or whatever. But I wanted to have a service where you could ask questions. And so we've been doing that. And we've been going through key issues and dialogue teaching. So if you're sitting out there and you have a question, you can ask it. You don't just need to be preached to. And so we did that. We established a visitor center and visitation ministry. And, and you see the fruits of it out there now when people come there they can actually see somebody and talk to somebody and get information and uh, you know they don't just wander around and everybody's doing their 
own thing. Um, we have probably created a lot of cavities with Krispy Kreme donuts, but uh, not too many people are complaining about that. And so we have been trying to just... Um, just the foster fellowship in between and after services and before services. We have a web ministry, which I mentioned earlier in the service. Um, faithful people have just stepped forward and said, we want to do a website. And I, okay. And uh, we're going to do this. Okay. And, and some people, you know, are around the world, listen to the sermons that are preached here and use Bible studies. i just give you a couple examples. Uh, just this last week, I got a, a man, a pastor in, in Iowa, um, called me uh, or sent me an email and said that, I just want you to know, I consider you my pastor, and every single week I listen to your sermons, and uh, I've listened to all of them, and I am in a little town, a little place, and you know, you are my lifeblood, and and that's neat, you know, I mean, that's great. And I had to write them back and say, well, it wasn't my fault, <laughs> uh, you know, it was somebody else as <laughs> the web guys. Um, uh, Kevin Hobson uh, was kind of did the whole infrastructure of the web ministry and Walt Robertson and recently Justin Marini has redone the the web site completely and they've got all the sermons there in three different formats and people are listening to them around the world they get emails from australia and the philippines and and uh we have churches who are taking bible studies i think when justin was going through his his uh one study on uh, just uh, holiness and walking with the Lord. I forget what, I forget what it was called, but um, uh, the war within or winning the war within or something. Uh, there were churches who every week would, would get those studies off the web and teach them in their youth group or whatever. And then uh, for a couple of weeks, we had services. And so we, we didn't have a, a new lesson on the web. And man, you get bombarded with emails. Hey, yeah, we need something. And uh, even today, when uh, they don't get my sermons on the web real soon, uh, Kevin developed a bad habit. Uh, Ten minutes after the second service, the sermons were on the web, and people got used to that. And then when he got a job, and then when he got a wife, um, it has delayed at times the uh, the efficiency of um, getting those sermons on the web. And so now I get all these sorts of distraught emails from people around the world wondering when the next sermon is going to be online. And you, you might think, you know, well, that's kind of neat. Well, it is neat because we are, we are ministering. Calvary Bible Church is ministering to churches and Christians all around the world through that ministry. And you may think, well, that's good. Well, this is part of your ministry and that's why it's good. You, you make that ministry possible. I don't do that. I mean, I just preach, but you make my preaching possible and you make the web ministry possible and uh, so it's all part of the ministries of calvary bible church the children's ministries are doing great and as a matter of fact they're almost doing too good um if you go into some of those classes you wonder if they could stick any more children in that small room we have great things going on and even though pastor brock has started seminary and is studying so many of you have stepped up and helped that the children's ministry and awana ministries are just stronger than ever and we are praising god for that we have youth ministries that are doing really good both in junior high and high school where the word of god is being taught and we're trying to systematically train the students people are coming to the lord and this is a it's a great blessing. Again, all of these ministries had rocky starts. You know, there was a lot of people who came and they were kind of wanted to do fun things and games. And we started teaching the Bible and some of those people left and some stayed. And now the groups are really solid and kids know when they come, we're going to worship God. We're going to have fun and we're going to learn from God's word and we're going to be equipped to serve in church. 
We have college ministries that are experiencing the same things. Uh, They are growing and uh, just doing great uh, singles ministry that Justin established uh, called the compass ministry is also very solid. And even though Justin has left, uh, the ministry has not collapsed and uh, they are waiting patiently. And uh, the people who have been trained and left behind are filling in just fine. Uh, we have Sunday school classes now. We've kind of revamped that whole thing. And some of you are now going to different Sunday school classes. We want to do more in that area, offer more classes with more topics and, and, uh, just, uh, tried to integrate some of the seniors with some of the younger people because, uh, you older people have things to offer to younger people that our world is missing. And so we wanted to make sure there was some integration and that's happening, which is good. And, uh, um, we have women's ministries that are w- doing well. Not only do we host the uh, Bible study fellowship ministry here just as a host church, but we have trained uh, different uh, women to study the Bible, prepare Bible studies and teach Bible studies. And we have uh, just several midweek um, studies going on. Men's ministries are also seeing growth and those involved and those ministries are working hard at getting quality teaching and trying to address issues that are really relating to men and, and just what men are struggling with today. We have a, a missions committee that has done an incredible job. As a matter of fact, uh, just recently, the missions committee gave us the fruit of their multiple year labor as they sought to just totally redefine and revamp missions. When I first came here, I asked, you know, I'd like to see a folder on all of our missionaries. We didn't even have a folder. We didn't even have, it was very unorganized. Now everybody's got a folder. Everybody is organized. We're getting in communication with everybody. They have searched the scriptures, the missions committee. They've read books and they've got a very solid, I think the best one I've ever read, a missions philosophy statement that clearly states what we are going to do as a church, what our emphasis is going to be, the proportion of the emphasis. And so uh, they are working at implementing that now. And so that is just a great thing. The missions uh, um, committee has been working very hard and even though you don't see them and you just know it happens um, they are working hard at getting the missionaries here and getting their names on the screen and in the bulletin so you can get to know them and uh, that is still an ongoing work the elders have re-established a detailed doctrinal statement uh, we used to have one and then it went away no one knows what happened to it but it it disappeared so we've got another doctrinal statement back on online and kind of more detailed position of what we teach and why we teach and scriptures uh, on the website you can pull it up you can look at it and click on verse references and it brings up the bible verse it's really trick um we have uh, modified our statement of faith uh, we have uh, created a purpose statement for Calvary Bible Church. We have revised our constitution and bylaws and all these things the elders have been working on the last uh, three years or so. Uh, we are working hard at growing, the elders are, and just what it means to be a shepherd. Uh, so oftentimes, it, you know, elder boards are composed of the good old boys. You have guys who are successful businessmen and who are well-liked and fun to be around. And, you know, yeah, he's a good man and, you know, bring him on. And then the older board becomes like a board and a company and they sit around and kind of glorified decision makers. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that being an elder is a work. It's a hard work of shepherding, which is to feed the flock and 
protect the flock and to meet needs, the spiritual needs of the congregation. And uh, it's not just a place for men to come who want to have control or who want to have a say or who want to just, you know, maintain some sort of uh, grip on what's going on. It's a place for humble servants to serve the body. And uh, so we are working hard at trying to become elders who are involved in the lives of all the people here. Uh, some of you um, may have noticed that uh, this year um, the elders have gotten in your life. Uh, some people have experienced this. Uh, a lot of times elders wait until you know somebody's life totally falls apart and then you show up and try and fix up the, the, the debris from the explosion. And what we're trying to do is when we find out somebody's having a struggle, we immediately get involved. And sometimes this is uncomfortable, but this is what it means to be a shepherd. We don't want to wait till a total meltdown happens in people's lives. And so we are trying to take a more aggressive approach to shepherding. Uh, a lot of people have the idea that, you know, because I'm the preacher, I need to do all the shepherding and all the pastoring. That's not true. I can't do it all. Uh, and so we are trying to work as a team to shepherd God's flock as a team. And of course, we can't do this even as an elder board. And so we are now... Uh, have a deacon policy. Uh, the church has had deacons in the past, but it's kind of fallen and the elders kind of developed habit of being both elders and deacons. And this has been bad for the elder uh, team because what's happened is, is we spend a lot of time talking about things like parking lots and copiers and non-spiritual entities, which could be easily assigned to a faithful deacon or two that could do those things. And so now we are working at trying to get in the habit of focusing our ministry on prayer and the ministry of the word and then having faithful deacons. And we have assigned many deacons and we are slowly giving them tasks and trying to retrain our thinking. Uh, people are growing here at Calvary Bible Church in their understanding of the word. When you, um, when I talk with some of you, you, you just, you know, many testimonies that have just growth. Um, uh, some of you seniors, I think, have been the most encouraging to me. You know, the old saying, you can't, you know, teach an old dog new tricks. Well, I, I have never seen such a group of voracious seniors in my life. Um, there are, you have really been an, an example, and uh, that is so healthy for the church to see just the, the the gray heads studying the Bible and serving in ministries and and getting involved. And this is what we want to see happen. This is what we want to see, and this is good, and this is what's happening. Uh, we have sent out one of our um, own pastors, Justin Erickson, who is now pastoring a church in Ohio, and it was great to have him be here for the time he did so many things in establishing the singles ministry and teaching and preaching and the visitation ministry and helping get things organized and now he is sent out and we kind of uh, have an investment in him and now he is taking some of the things he learned here and implementing them at a different place and we are excited about that and we are currently looking for a replacement for justin and we have some great possibilities uh some really neat possibilities i wish i could tell you but i can't it's a secret i'd have to shoot you um it's so top secret uh but we have neat things going on and so pray, please pray for that because uh, we know god has a plan and we just want to follow along with what he has planned and so um when you look at all these ministries you see uh 
great things are happening. My ministry opportunities have just exploded. As a matter of fact, I, I just go to the elders now and just say, what do you want me to do? That I have so many opportunities to teach at this place or preach at this place or go to the Philippines or Australia or Russia or whatever that, um, that it's just been incredible. Uh, some of you may not know, but um, I, I teach uh, uh, a class at the um, Master Seminary last semester, and I'm going to be teaching another class on preaching this semester. They have me slated to teach in the doctoral program at the Master Seminary. And that is a neat ministry, too, because I am able to teach groups of pastors who are going out and impact entire congregations. And so it's a neat opportunity. So I'm kind of dabbling in that. I've had uh, offers to write books, which I haven't had time to do, but... Um, uh, just the website, the ministries, uh, all of these things are happening in my life. But you need to know that they are your ministry. Because when I go out, I represent the Lord and Calvary Bible Church. Uh, when I went to Russia, the, the Russian pastors asked me all sorts of questions about our church here and how we did things and and if we would come over and minister to them i mean they begged us uh one night you know please send people over can you send a team of people over i mean they're they they want you to be involved over there too and so we're going to be talking about that more also but all of these ministries are your ministries and god is working through calvary bible church to do some really neat things um here uh, it's all part of what God is doing. And so we need to be praising God for all of that. And what you need to understand is this, that that the average church in America is less than 100 people. Think about that. Less than 100 people. The average church in America. And I don't know how many people consider Calvary Bible Church their home, but I know this, that if every single warm body who called Calvary Bible Church their home showed up on any given Sunday, we'd probably have around, you know, 1,200 bodies wandering around here. And we don't have that many members, but we have a lot of people who come here regularly and they attend. And so in one aspect, we are, you know, 10 to 12 times bigger than the average church in America. What that means is, is we have resources that most churches don't have. The average church has one pastor. And then the congregation does everything that that one pastor can't do. And so with, with whom, with, with the, because we have more given to us, more is required. Um, to whom more is given, more is required. That's what I was trying to say. And, uh, and so God has not only blessed us incredibly, he has also placed more responsibility on us because we have more resources. We have more programs. We have more pastors. We have more space. And so we need to take those opportunities and use them for his glory. Calvary Bible Church, from my perspective, is at the starting blocks of what could be very significant ministry impact. And what I mean by that is this, you know, when you look at, at churches, you have little churches, you have mega churches, and then you have churches in between. Well, we are a very large, small church and we are a very small mega church. And, and what's interesting about it is this right now we have all pretty much all the staff in place that we need to grow significantly and we wouldn't have to hire anybody else. 
See, the, let's just say that right now the junior high ministry could triple. The high school ministry could triple. The college ministry could triple. The singles ministry could triple. And we wouldn't need anybody else because we could handle that much growth. So we have, we are at the beginnings of We have all the foundation, all our documents revised, everything organized, everything in place, all the staff in place, everything we need to really see some significant growth. And, you know, growth is up to God, but I'm just saying that we are in a good place right now, a very good place. We have enough resources to have a well-staffed church with a wide range of programs, and every one of those areas of ministry could see significant growth and we wouldn't have to do anything major to accommodate that growth. Calvary Bible Church is one of the few churches in this area that does expository preaching. You know, you, you look at when I, when I was talking to the, the uh, pastors in Russia, they showed us this big board and all over the board, they have this giant area. And in that giant area, they have little pins where where there's little groups of believers that don't even have a church. They're just groups of believers. Then they have another little symbol that there's actually a church in that city. And there's many cities that have no churches, not even a little group of believers. And you see this huge area and just this little sprinkling of churches. And I said, you know, that's very interesting. Because you can open up our phone book and any given city has, you know, two or three or four pages of churches. But you know what? We don't have any more good churches that are preaching the word. We have many church buildings, many denominations, many congregations. Now you can look in the phone book and you can say, is this church preaching the word? No, 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 no. And you know, maybe one out of a hundred might actually be teaching the Bible. And so I said, you know, we have a similar problem. We have very few churches preaching the scriptures, going through, doing expository preaching, every word, going through the passage, explaining what it says, how to apply it to life. And so this makes us unique, not only in this area, but in all the churches of the world. Calvary Bible Church is unique. So we are settled, we are established, we have a good heritage, And we're ready to see God do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. But having said that, there is nothing we can do about the past. It's all history. But the neat thing about it is we can learn from history and history ends at the threshold of the present. And that is where we're at right now. We live in the present. We can't do anything about the past And we can't do anything about the future. We can only do something about right now. And so what is the present state of Calvary Bible Church? Well, the present state of Calvary Bible Church is all those things I just mentioned. We are looking for somebody to replace Justin. We have some prospects turning on the spit. Hopefully one of them will be edible soon. The elders have many decisions to make. We are discussing the future of the Spanish ministry. We are looking at ideas of how to minister to the Spanish-speaking people in the most effective way. Physically speaking, we have some things to deal with. The city of Burbank has let us know that we either need to knock down the children's building 
or pump some serious money into it to the tune of maybe 60 to $100,000, which would accomplish a uglier structure. More safe, though. Big steel beams sticking out of the doorways and things like that. The kitchen also needs some serious remodeling and upgrading. The sound system needs some upgrading. The parking problem is still a problem. Uh, there is a fear that in the Pickwick behind the church, they may someday put houses there. If they put houses there, then what will happen is, is all those people will be home on the weekend, especially Sunday. Which means we're going to be in big trouble if that happens. There are spiritual issues facing the elders and the entire congregation at this time. The elders are presently working hard at growing in their shepherding skills. And so we are trying to improve um, our oversight of the flock. According to the Bible, um, we are trying to make sure that when we appoint new elders, we aren't just saying, well, he's a good old boy. We are looking at the scriptures and trying to say this is the standard God has in his word. This is the standard we're going to have for elders. If you don't meet the standard, you can't be an elder. And so we are working hard at just not getting warm bodies in there, but men who love the sheep and love the work of the ministry and can do the work of the ministry. You know, there's sometimes you want to do it and you can't. Sometimes you don't want to do it, but you want to have, you know, say, I mean, there's all different reasons people want to be elders. And so we are trying to make sure we examine everybody carefully. And uh, if you have or are being considered as an elder right now, you know, it's pretty scary. We lay a packet of information on them that makes some of them almost faint. The elders um, are trying to devote themselves to the spiritual needs of the church. And really, Calvary Bible Church will never become anything more than the leadership. That's how it is. If the leadership is here, the congregation's here. It's just how it is. So we are trying to raise the standard of our shepherding and the way we do things as high as we can so you can come up to that level. And so we realize that, and so that's what we're working on. Also, we uh, um, are working at trying to make sure that when we look at our congregation, we are fulfilling the ministry philosophy we have established, the philosophy of making sure evangelism is happening, making sure worship is happening in spirit and truth, making sure that all of you are being equipped to do the work of the ministry and are growing in your godly disciplines. And that's easy to say, but that's hard to do. That is hard to do. We are making sure that uh, that uh, we don't neglect the seniors um, who are continually getting older along with the rest of us. And uh, we want to make sure that the seniors are taken care of, but they're pretty independent and stubborn. And so we um, are trying to make sure that they aren't left out. Um, we need to praise God today for all that he has done in the past, because he has done some incredible things. I, I really thought after being here six months in the, <laughs> the rocky time that we might be where we're at today, maybe four or five years from now. And God has really made some changes. And again, you know, it's no magic of me. I mean, I, I had no idea. I've never done this before. I planted churches from scratch, you know, and so I, I've had no experience doing this. This is all God's doing, and we just need to praise him. But with all these blessings come dangers. 
In the book of Deuteronomy, if you've read or studied that book, you know that there is a danger that is mentioned over and over again. You remember what that was? Beware lest you forget the Lord. Why? Because when you go into the land and you enjoy all of these cisterns you didn't dig, and you enjoy all these vineyards that you didn't plant, and live in all these houses that you didn't build, and you have all this blessing, that is the time of great danger. Why? Because after you think, well, the battle's over. Look at all these good things we have. Now we can just take a deep breath. (sighs) And then you can lean next to the person next to you and fall asleep on their shoulder. Because we've arrived. Not even close. Not even close. For many of you, the last three and a half years have been pretty rough. You have fought one battle after another. You have wielded the sword of the spirit into exhaustion. And in your mind, you're thinking, I just need a break. I need to let somebody else do this. Our ship is turned around. We're going in the right direction. I, it's time for smooth sailing. You know, I need to lay out in the deck and get tan. But you need to beware lest you forget the Lord. Lest you forget the price that was paid to get us to the place where we are today. And know this, that the more focused we are at obeying God and submitting to his word, the more opposition we will receive as a church and as individuals. All those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So know this. The harder we pursue the will of the Lord, the more trials we will face. It's just the way it is. Satan isn't trying to stop and thwart and falsely accuse and attack dead churches. They're already dead. He is trying to attack churches that are evangelizing and worshiping God in spirit and truth, who are equipping the saints and sending them out into the world to share their faith and live godly in the present age. So don't relax. Don't lay down your sword and don't think we are over the hump. You need to guard the treasure that has been entrusted to you until death. And then you will guard it in heaven. And sometimes when you work hard for a long time, your flesh and Satan will try and convince you that you need to take a a break from obeying God. You know, let others do your ministry. Let the paid pastors do your ministry. Let others serve you. Let others give. Let others cater to your needs. After all, you have worked so hard and so long. You need a break from obeying God. Don't listen to it. It's not true. People like that lay down their sword because it's heavy. They take off their armor because it's uncomfortable. You begin to dine in the junk food of the world. You become spiritually fat and out of shape. And then like the people at Belshazzar's party, you become overconfident and smug and drunk with your complacency and apathy and past successes, which the Lord has accomplished through you. You drop your guard, you leave your treasure unguarded. And while you're lying around in your slumber, the enemy sneaks in and fires a fiery dart right through your heart. And that's what happens if we don't stay on guard. Don't let it happen to you. 
Remind yourself you are to serve the Lord not just until you die, but for all eternity. You have been bought with a price. You are no longer your own. As long as you are able, you are to obey God's commands addressed to you and the whole body of Christ. Always. There will never be a time when you get to stop and have it be acceptable to God. There is no vacation from serving the Lord. There is no sabbatical from obeying the word of God. You are soldiers of Jesus Christ, which means you are on call 24 hours a day and there is a battle raging. I mean, we have had battles here, but the battle is always raging. And you get weary. Christ and the Holy Spirit and the word of God are there to strengthen and confirm and equip and establish you. God will always give you the strength to do everything he has called you to do. And the enemy is looking for an opportunity to ambush you in this church. He wants you to grumble. He wants you to complain. He wants to pitch you against one another. Those things are from hell. And you need to remind yourself, this is not peacetime. As long as you live here on earth, you are never in peacetime. There is always a battle raging. There are always enemies, the world forces of this darkness and the heavenly places trying to wage war against churches like Calvary Bible Church. They want to destroy you and they want to destroy this church. And it's never going to end until Christ comes back and casts Satan to the lake of fire. And that's not going to happen for a while. There are demons all around the globe working hard to deceive men and to use those deceived men to do their will. And they want to lead you astray. They want you to adopt worldly philosophies. They want you to think that the scriptures are not important, that God's priorities are not the priorities you should have in your life, but they're good for other religious fanatics. They want you to fall asleep in the lap of worldly pleasures. And like Sisera, who fell asleep in the lap of jail, they want to drive a stake right through your temple. Don't let it happen. You keep your armor on. You stay in the word. You stay in prayer, you serve, you give, you sacrifice, you keep watch. You strengthen those who are weak. You run with endurance the race set before you and fix your eyes on Jesus and the things above. Remind yourself that one day you will stand before the Lord. You will give an account. And you need to ask yourself, if he came back today, would you have regrets or not? If you had to stand before him right now, would you regret that? And we need to live every day in light of eternity and in light of the fact that we are aliens here. I want you to know, none of you who know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior are going to go home today unless Jesus comes back. You don't live here on earth. This is not your home This is a place where you stay for a time. You are aliens here, strangers here. And so don't fall in love with this world. This world is passing away and also it's lust. You can enjoy the things that are fine, but remember you're visiting and home is in heaven. 
So how have you been caring for your body, your earthly temple? How have you loved your wife or your husband? How have you loved your kids? How are you behaving in your job? How have you been sharing the gospel with those who need to hear it? Can you stand right now before the Lord with his eyes flaming fire and his feet like burnished bronze and his hair white like wool and stand before him right now with a clear conscience? You need to live in the present in such a way that you can do that every day. So what about the future? That's where we're at today. And again, I'm no prophet. And like Gladriel, I can tell you about the things which may come to pass, but that's about it. The earthquake may strike in a minute. This building may fall down. Well, most of us will be dead. I don't know. The rapture may happen right now. I don't know. But if it happens, I won't be here to give the rest of this message. But here are some of the things that might come to pass that the elders have considered. And we want to keep growing spiritually. That's a given. We want you to keep growing spiritually. We want all of you to keep sharing the gospel with those you meet. Because that is why we are here. We can do everything else better in heaven. There's one thing we can't do is share the gospel with the lost. And so we all need to be doing that. If you don't know how to do that, you need to get training. Pastor Dave is constantly offering classes to teach people how to share the gospel. If the Lord wills, we would like to see more people come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and be baptized and become members and be discipled so they can do the same thing. This is why we are here. This is the purpose of the church. We want to see our worship increased in purity, in zeal, in holiness, and not just on Sunday mornings, but all week long. We want all of you to come here and pour out your heart in prayer and thanksgiving to the Lord every week and all week long. We want you to hear God speak to you through his word. So we want to make sure, I want to make sure that I work hard at becoming a better communicator of God's word so you can understand more. So you can apply more, so you can give God more glory through your life. We want to see every person that considers Calvary Bible Church that are home become members and get involved here, serving, giving, ministering their spiritual gift, being ministered to by other people's spiritual gifts, because this is what God requires. He commands it in his word. And so this is what we want. And when it comes to churches, Again, you need to understand we are a very large church compared to the average church in America. And there are differing philosophies. Uh, some of you may have grown up in Presbyterian churches. You know that in the Presbyterian churches that there is a, um, a, a view that when your church gets to be about 150 or 200, you cut it in two and you start a new church plant. And the reason is, and these are good reasons, because they have one pastor and they want that one pastor to do everything. They have an hour long service. The pastor gets up there. He gives the call to worship. He leads in the songs. He preaches a little 30 minute sermon. They go home. And then when the church gets more than 150, 200, they know that that one guy can't shepherd everybody. So they break it up and start another one with one pastor in it. Well, obviously we've failed miserably in that approach. That's not our approach, just so you know. 
Uh, we wouldn't have built this big building if we thought we should stay at 100. And then there's another approach which says, well, you let your church grow. And once it starts meeting maximum capacity, then you can take a section of the congregation, get some volunteers from the congregation and kind of have what they call seed families who go out in a different place with a different pastor and start a different church. We might do that someday, but we have some room to grow. So we aren't going to be doing that in the near future. Then there is the, well, let's get mega. You know, let's just keep buying up property and just get as huge as we can. I don't know if we're going to ever do that. But these are kind of the philosophies and there are advantages and disadvantages to both approaches. When you're small, you get to know everybody. It's kind of neat. Like some of you who come to the first service, you know, people in the first service, but you don't know very many people in the second service. And it's kind of fun when everybody meets together because you see all these people that, you know, I didn't know you came here. Well, I didn't know you came here. Well, how long have you been coming here? Six years. Well, me too. You know, and all of a sudden you, you become even isolated within the group. And so that's a disadvantage of a larger church. The advantage is, is with more people, there's more resources. We can offer more programs, sponsor more things, do more things because we are, we have more resources in volumes, the volumes of people here, more spiritual gifts. So that's an advantage of a bigger church, but there are pros and cons right now. The elders feel like we need to grow here. And when all the seats are full and people come in and they get mad because they have to leave because there's no seats, then we'll start talking about something else. While the main worship area, though, is adequate, there is now a need for a new children's building. And this is something we think we should do because, you know, we want to build something. We have to do this. The city has let us know the children's building must be knocked down or retrofitted. And that's the building over here. The ugly one. <laughs> and the thought of putting 60 or a hundred thousand dollars into the children's building is like feeding a dead horse, golden straw. And we don't want to do that. We do not want to do that. But the city has told us that we need to do something. And right now we are waiting on borrowed time. We, We have been told that we either need to knock it down or retrofit it. And retrofit just means that they come in there, they get concrete saws, they cut out all the headers and the block and insert these big I-beams and these big ugly structures. It wouldn't do anything to the function of the building. It'd just make it more ugly. But it would be safe. And yet we have other options. We've talked to an architect and... We've been able to come up, the architect and just from the information we've given him, uh, have been able to come up with an idea that might allow us to convince the city that we shouldn't upgrade the children's building now if we were to build something else that would meet our needs. And so right now, we put a picture up there. There we go. Up here on the, on the, the, the screen is just a concept. This is just a concept drawing. This is not anything final. This is just an idea. It's a good idea, but uh, it's an idea nonetheless. And what, what this is, is this is a kind of a, a picture of where we are. This is this building over here in the lower left is where we're, we're meeting right now. Out here is Main Street. And then that way is the Beverly Manor and Pickwick would be at the bottom. 
And what this is happening is right now, this is, this is the idea that's going on. Um, they're thinking about is we have a couple problems. We don't have enough parking spaces. So we can't gobble up more parking spaces because the city wouldn't let us gobble up more parking spaces. We can't do it. But we still need a new children's building. But the problem is, is we can't do a new children's building anyplace else. We thought maybe we can get some portables and maybe we can stick them over there. And then we can knock down the children's building and then we can build a new children's building somewhere else. And then we can get rid of the portables. That was too expensive. We'd have to put in, you know, dollars $400,000 into buildings, portables that we'd get rid of. You know, that would be worse than a retrofit. And so here is the idea here that uh, the architect came up with, which is a really good one. See the little dash lines there in the upper right? That is the footprint of the present children's building, those little dash lines that are going along next to Main Street. So right now there is a, a building there. Here it shows parking lot there. The idea is this. We take the bottom here, proposed two-story building, this rectangle, big rectangle in the lower right, and we take the MSA... And we knock it down. We, and here's a term. My kids asked me about this when they heard it. We raise it to the ground. There we go. For those of you who are older, you know that term. We knock it flat like a razor. <laughs> okay? So we take the, 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 the Main Street Auditorium and we knock it down. And then we build a two-story structure there, which is the same height as the youth kitchen building is right now. And make them match so they look the same. And then what we do is we put all the children's facilities in the lower story of that. So we have all new children's building. And then in the top story, we have another big auditorium, Main Street Auditorium. But it's upstairs now. The kitchen needs remodeled. And so we take the kitchen and we move it upstairs, remodel it, and feed it into the new auditorium, which solves that problem, and put the junior high room downstairs where the kitchen is now. And when we're all done with that building there, then we knock down the children's building, which gives us those extra parking spaces. And when people drive by, they can actually see our church building. uh, Yeah, that's right. It'd be so great. Yeah, people would be that would be a big plus because a lot of people come. I didn't even know you were here. Yeah, we're all here. We're hiding. Um But yeah, people would be able to see that we'd have an entrance into the building. So if that would be like the first phase of what is going on. Now, if we did that, the advantages would be we'd have a new children's building, which would be good. Everything would be upgraded. We'd have pretty much the same thing as far as the MSA. We'd be able to remodel our kitchen and we would gain parking spaces and gain visual access. But as far as the classroom space and those kind of things, it would be a wash. We wouldn't really be gaining anything here that would be, you know, as far as space is concerned, nothing would be gained. We just take the children's building and put it underneath the the auditorium is basically what would be going on here. And we have, I think, about a third of what we need to do something like this, this first phase. And we if you gave diligently above and beyond what you're giving, we could probably start this by the end of the year and maybe make it happen. So that is the first phase. Then, then they, the, they also had this other idea over here, which is you can see a wing to the left that kind of goes out into the parking lot. And uh, what they thought was, is we could take a wing and bring it out in this area towards that 
and it would be elevated above the ground so you could actually park underneath it so we wouldn't lose parking spots. And that would be an elevated classroom space where you could, you know, do study center, classrooms, you know, offices or whatever. We could do a bookstore here, maybe at the bottom story, um, those kind of things. And that would be a second phase that would still not take any parking spots away, but give us more space. Because right now the sanctuary, the, this part here is big enough to handle significant growth, but it's the rest of facilities are not big enough to handle all the classes and Sunday school classes that we would need if we were to grow to where this place was full. And so that is what the architect shall. And let me see the next slide here. And this is kind of just, again, a concept drawing the the main street auditorium be the left here. This is the building that we're in right now. It's showing over here. This is the elevated wing section here with cars that could park underneath it there. And then there's this yellow cube, which is just a yellow cube. But <laughs> the, the, the architect said that when you build something in a public place now, the city wants you to have some sort of visual thing, artwork type of artistic thing or whatever. So he just put a yellow cube there, but you know, you could have a church looking thing with, you know, some stained glass or a cross or whatever. That would be kind of an artistic whatever. And so when you, you come in to the parking lot, you would, you would see this L shaped thing with this little higher piece there in the middle. And there's a canopy around the edge, which would um, enable people to stand outside in the summer in the shade and in the, when it was raining to be out there when it was raining also. So that's something that's on the, the docket. And, uh, we are considering that. And I don't know, um, you know, the elders just wanted you to know about it. We're going to talk. If we, we decide to go this way, we'll probably come before you and bring you more specific details and just what has to happen. But there is a chance that we could tell the city, you know what? We have a plan now and we are moving forward and we're going to do this here. So please don't make us retrofit the children's building for another year. And they might say, well, okay, but almost, well, we have to do something. We are being forced to do something. And this is what we feel is the wisest decision and the wisest use of our resources that God has given us. And so that is something that as far as physical needs is on the, the horizon. So that's kind of what's happening in the future. That's um, what's happening in the past. Here we are in the present. We can see that God's done some great things. We can see that we need to use our resources. We need to definitely make some changes with the children's building. Although we are not prophets, if the Lord wills, we want to see people saved through the preaching of the gospel. We want to see people equipped to do the work of the ministry. We want to see people serving, praying, giving, becoming members of Calvary Bible Church. We want Calvary Bible Church to increase in worship and spirit and truth and holiness and purity and zeal. And these are our highest priorities, not the building. But buildings facilitate a ministry, as you know. And so we have this other building project, which now is being forced upon us and we need to make some decisions. And so feel free to come to the elders as you talk to them and give them your input. The city is being patient with us right now, but we are already on borrowed time. We're, we're about two and a half years into their patience. 
And, <laughs> and so we're trying to act now. And uh, so we don't bring any judgment upon us. It would be interesting to have, you know, camp in the parking lot for all the children's. Um, that would not be good. But in the meantime, you need to be praising God. You need to be thanking him for all the things he's done in and through this body of believers. And we are just praying that this year will be a great year of spiritual growth in your life, that uh, God would give you great opportunities to serve him, that you would grow in your godly disciplines, that you would grow in your boldness and telling others the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may all of this be for God's glory and his honor and his praise. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for this morning. As we look back at this last year and we consider all that you've done, we just want to praise you and thank you for using us. Father, we know that you don't need us, that you don't need this particular body of believers. Father, we know that we need you. And Father, we want to be humble. We want to be teachable. We don't want to become complacent because of the things that you have done through us in the past. Father, we want to remember that we are in a battle that it wages around us every day. And Father, we need to fight the good fight, wage the good warfare, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and run with endurance the race set before us. Father, help us to remember that we are soldiers and we are always in active duty as long as we are in these bodies alive here on this earth. And Father, please use us for your glory and your honor and praise. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.